Designed by Wingnut Social is brought to you by Wingnut Social, the leading interior design and home pro digital marketing agency. We know it works so you don't have to. Learn more at wingnutsocial.com. Hey, Darla here, and I have a question for you. What would it mean to your bottom line for your interior design firm if you could sign just one client from your Instagram marketing efforts? Is it 5,000, 10,000, 15, 20,000 and up? Well, if you're a principal of your interior design firm and you're overwhelmed with your Instagram marketing, you have no idea how to do, what to do, when to post, what to post, what hashtags to use, how to use ads, that the whole gamut, it's incredibly overwhelming, then I want to introduce you to Instagram for interior designers. It's Wingnut Social's very first online on-demand course with over seven modules, 61 lessons that's going to answer all of those questions for you and help you to put together a very actionable marketing strategy for your interior design firm tailored to you with workbooks and exercises and just just everything you could possibly need there. To find out more information on Instagram for interior designers, head on over to wingnutsocial.com, check out Wingnut Academy, or you can go to wingnutsocial.com slash Instagram for interior designers. Have you hit a wall when it comes to growing your design business? Then welcome to Designed by Wingnut Social helping home professionals accelerate their success with proven industry practices and expert advice. Hey kids, and welcome to Designed by Wingnut Social. I'm your host, interior decorator, Darla Powell. And today we have a three-peater, a three-peat repeat guest, Nikki Rausch of salesmaven.com and the host of the Sales Maven podcast. And I'm happy to announce my own personal sales and business, kind of coach for Wingnut Social because I needed help with sales. And I was like, you know what, Nikki, it's high time that we had you back on the podcast to help my interior design audience with their own sales because it can be a bugaboo, right? Remember that song, Bugaboo? I don't know how it goes, but but anyway, it was a song. All right, before we get into my conversation with the fabulous Nikki Rausch, let me tell you a little bit about her. CEO of Sales Maven, Nikki Rausch, has the unique ability to transform the misunderstood process of selling. With 25 years of selling experience, entrepreneurs and small business owners now hire Nikki, including me, to show them how to sell successfully and authentically. Nikki has written three books, all available on Amazon, and she has a podcast called Sales Maven, which you can find on your favorite podcast platform. Wingnuts help me in welcoming Nikki Roush back to the show. Hey there, Nikki Roush. Welcome back to the show. How the hell are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me back. I, in the green room, we were just like, okay, what episode were you on before? But I forgot that you're actually, this is your, you're a third timer. You're a member of the third timer club. I don't, I think you're the only one. The only one? Yeah. It's a club of one. <laughs> it's a club of you. Okay, I'll t- I'll take it. I'm the three P. I love it. <laughs> you're yeah, you're definitely the three P, and just so good. I mean, both of your episodes are just so insightful and actionable, and just game changing for sales and processes for sales. And if you guys are not familiar with Nikki Roush, of course, I, I told a little bit about you in the intro. You're the host of the Sales Maven podcast, which is terrific. It's one of the few I subscribe to and actually listen to. Thank you. And you are on. Um, Back when we were in the caves doing this podcast, episode 97 and 212. So if you are not familiar with Nikki Roush and you want to get more of the brilliance that is about to come here, go check out those episodes. 
And those will be in the show notes also at wingnutsocial.com. And Nikki, you and I are working together. You're actually in the process of trying to get through my thick head. <laughs> Some sales coaching, right? Because yes. it, it, it's a thing. It's a thing that we, we struggle with sometimes in the interior design business, in the agency business as women asking for the sale, having a nice, comfortable script or process, I should say, which is more accurate for sale and, and just having that confidence working on the sales process. And when we were going over the show content today, I was like, what is one of the main uh, objections or, or issues that interior designers are coming to you with for help with their sales coaching? And it was overcoming the price objection. And that's the focus of the show. Mm -hmm. We might branch out, but um we're going to tackle that today. Are you game? I'm so game. I love, you know, I love talking anything sales. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're so good at it. So that is a, that's a huge thing, not just in the interior design industry, but you and I have talked about that here at Wingnut Social is overcoming the price objection and not in an arm wrestling kind of way, but more of in a imparting the value and the educational process and, and more, which I'm sure you're going to discuss. But interior designers have messaged me and, and talked to me about their sales or raising their prices or having Anjana when it comes to presenting a proposal <laughs> and getting those price objections. And just when clients are saying, oh, that's too expensive, either um, caving, bending or running out the door. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start. Let's start with price objection. You're at a consultation and you're giving your quote and you're getting a price objection. How are we preparing for this? What are we looking at? Ready and go. Okay. So there's a couple things. One, I do want you to ask in that initial consultation about their budget. And if you haven't asked about the budget and gotten some parameters around that, then you're more likely to have a surprised price objection come up when you start talking about your offers. Now, one of the things I know you and I have talked about this, that sometimes when you're asking about the budget, you need to preface it by giving a range. So, because a lot of times clients have no idea. So when you ask just like, what's your budget for this? They're like, we don't know. We have no idea. Like we've never even thought about that. So sometimes you have to say, you know, a project the size that, you know, you and I've been talking about typically could range between, and you can have a price at that point. You could say, you know, 10,000 to a hundred thousand. It, it could be a huge range. doesn't matter. And then you say, where do you fall in that range? And then you wait, you don't keep talking, you be quiet and you let them actually answer. So then when you're putting your proposal back in front of them, they shouldn't have a clutch the pearls moment of like, oh, what, what's that price? But let's say that you don't get that. Maybe they don't give you a clear answer and you start talking about your suggestions for them and the offer, what that would look like. And then they go, gosh, we had, we had no idea. Like that wasn't. That wasn't really what we were thinking or so when somebody has an objection like that, the thing that you want to do is first you want to backtrack what they've said. So this is a very uh, neuro-linguistic programming technique where you kind of state back using their keywords. So if they say, gosh, we hadn't really, we hadn't really thought that that was going to be the price. So I would say to them, so you hadn't really thought that was going to be the price. So I'm checking, I'm asking, so I'm softening my voice when I say that. Okay. And I would say, what, what were you expecting? And then I'm going to wait and see what they say. Now, based on their answer, 
The next thing you're going to do is what's called a conditional close question. And a conditional close is essentially kind of the format of it. And it's, you're going to change it based on the context and how you're going to insert the things that are specific to the conversation. But it's basically if, if I was able to do, you know, X, or if I was able to overcome this, would you then be willing to move forward with signing the contract? That's, that's kind of the basics of a conditional close. So if they say, well, if I asked them, well, what were you thinking? And they were saying, mm-hmm. well, we were thinking more kind of in the $7,000 price range. And I would say, so if I was able to put together a proposal that fit that $7,000 budget, we, we, we would have to give up a few things. Would you then be interested in signing the contract and us moving forward to work together? So I have to ask that question yeah. because a lot of times that's where they're going to say, well, we actually are talking to other designers or, yeah. well, you know, you're going to get really to the heart of the matter when you put them kind of on the spot um, and not in a harsh way, but in mm-hmm. a way of like, hey, if I'm able to meet whatever it is that you're asking for, are we then going to work together? Right. It allows for whatever kind of is holding them back to bubble to the surface. I love that because it serves two purposes. It gets you to the point to where you are able to razor out the scope to a, a price that works for them and still be able to work with them if that's something you can do and get to the real objection. Get, you know, what that really is. I am talking to other designers. What if the $7,000 price point isn't with something you would work with isn't in your scope and yeah. maybe the minimum like feasible thing is 20,000 or 15,000 or something. How do you address it then? Yeah. So if we're that far apart, mm-hmm. then, you know, one of the things that's really important to recognize is that not everybody is a client. Okay. Okay. So in that particular case, I think what I would say to the client is I would say, so I understand where you are as, as far as budget, that isn't really a project that would fit within our, you know, expertise Here's what I would say to you, if and when things change and you are wanting to move forward and can meet kind of the minimums as far as with with what we do, please know that I would love to earn your business and you're welcome to come back to me at any time. I love that's nice and gentle. You're mm-hmm. not really putting them down. You're just letting them know. And I love the the vernacular there outside of our expertise. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of puts the weight of that on on you. It's just, you know, it's just not our specialty, not what we deal with. So if we want to save ourselves the headache of, you know, driving a half an hour to a consultation, going through, talking to the client for them to lay down this (laughs) $7,000 bombshell on us. Yeah. What are some ways that we can filter out, you know, the inquiries or the, to, to get, before we get to that point and realize, Hey, this isn't really going to be our ideal client on without, how to without necessarily eliminating someone we can educate about the value of our services and get them at that sweet spot. Well, I think one of the things you can do is you can put in place like a a really simple intake form where you ask some of these questions and you can give a range in there. You could say like of these, you know, which range do you fall in? Now, I know you know this because we've talked about this too. Yeah, the range cannot be below what you're willing to take as far as for a client. So Mm -hmm. if you don't work with people for less than 20,000, don't give a range that says between five and 10, because then they're going to feel like bait and switch when you come back to them and say, 
well, we don't work with anybody for less than $20,000. They're going to be like, well, your form clearly stated. So why are we going down this road? So you don't want to leave a bad taste in their mouth. And it is absolutely okay for you to stand in your place of credibility and authority and say, this is the range. You, you don't need to be ashamed or feel awkward or uncomfortable about it. Your range truly is your range. You know, mm-hmm. what, what you would take on, you know, I've, I've been on calls before too, where, where, you know, working with me is thousands of dollars and somebody, when I've asked them like, what's your budget? And they're like, well, I have a hundred dollars to spend. And then it's for me, I was like, great, I have three books and you can actually buy all three for less than that. <laughs> You know, I'm like excited for them. Like, great, go, this is a DIY for you then. That's awesome too. So it's okay to bless and release people that aren't the right fit. So maybe have some type of an intake form where you're asking some really simple questions. Be careful of not asking all the questions and making them spend an hour filling out your form before you'll even meet with them. But you know, three to five really simple, basic questions that get to the heart of the matter that allow you to say, Based on their answers, does it make sense for us to do an on-site? Do you think that the value of placing a quote-unquote minimum on your website or through the intake form and filtering out clients who are a good fit to work with you and aren't a good fit to work with you based on the price point alone is an outweighs the opportunity to educate someone on the value. Do you know what I mean? Like maybe someone is thinking in their head, oh, well, I would have worked with them for 10,000, but their minimum is 20. Let me look for the next designer where that same person, if they had said, maybe I'm not sure. And you had had the chance to have a conversation with them and explain to them why, you know, a bedroom or what, or, you know, a living room or whatever is going to cost this much. They would be like, oh, okay, that's, that's reasonable. Let's move forward. So I don't personally (laughs) subscribe to that. (laughs) Okay. And and so here's why. I I certainly don't want to do or give any advice that's going to cost people business. And yet one of the things I find is a lot of times people think, well, I just won't put any pricing on my website and therefore I'm going to get on calls with people and I'm going to have that opportunity to educate. And unfortunately the, what it actually does, like I get the intention behind it, but what it actually does is it causes people to um, either never get on a call with you because they assume that your pricing is so high that you don't list it. So you don't even get the opportunity to get on that call with them. Or the opposite of this is you get on the call with people that are just tire kickers. Yeah. And when you get tire kicker conversations, one after the other, after the other, it starts to plant a negative seed in your brain of like, nobody can afford my services. Nobody will pay my fee structures. And then, and then you start doubting yourself, which you should not be doing. So by having, and I don't, I, and I want to clarify this too. I do believe in having some pricing on the website. You don't have to price out everything. You don't have to, you know, give hard and fast, like this is the price, but I do believe in giving ranges. I don't believe in giving pricing starting at, and the reason I'm going to say that is because when you say prices start at, and you give this low figure, you now have anchored that lower price. So when you give a client a higher price, they're like, wait, (laughs) on your website, (laughs) it said 10,000 and you're telling me 20, what? Uh So if you give a range and you say, you know, it can range between 15,000 and 45,000 or 15,000 and 150,000, right? Then when you give them a $20,000 price, they don't go, 
what? But you said 10 on your, you know, so you don't want to have those kind of reactions. I, right. I think it's not good for your mindset to put yourself in conversations with people that act like, what? People pay you what for your service? Because then it starts to make you go like, oh, gosh, maybe I shouldn't be charging this much. And that's not true. You know, I love that answer for a couple of reasons. First of all, you're protecting yourself mm -hmm. and your confidence moving forward and dealing with the ideal client. And you're you're protecting your time from the tire. I think you're right. I think that the the amount of tire kickers and in, in less than ideal clients that you would get isn't worth really laser focusing that down to people who are more who can afford your services and who are more ideal clients. Is that the same? Like if you're putting prices on your website, and you're like starting at $20,000. Is that the same as um, project minimums? Are, are like say for interior designers, our project minimum, I've see, I see it all the time, is 50,000 or 100,000. Is that the same? So I still would love for you to, in that same, some context mm -hmm. there to say, you know, projects range between this and this okay. and then have project minimum is this. But okay. if you just put project minimum, you're anchoring that price. Okay. Perfect. And I, that's the thing you don't want to do. You don't want to anchor a lower price. Actually in, in sales, you're better off anchoring higher prices. Now, I don't mean this in the context of on your website, but in a conversation with somebody, if I'm having a conversation with you and I say, you know, prices could range anywhere between 20,000 and a hundred thousand. And they go, well, what's the difference? Then I'm not going to start at the $20,000. I'm going to start at the 100000 and say what you get in that mm -hmm. range. Now I have anchored that higher price. So then when you start to step down, a lot of times people will go like, well, maybe we don't need the full meal deal. Like maybe we don't need the $100,000 project. But man, that 50000 is looking like a deal. <laughs> but if you anchor the 20,000, it just looks like you're charging a lot more to get a little bit more versus going the other way. So that's known as top down selling. I love that. And you and I have talked in our coaching, and I think I've heard this on your podcast as well, that psychologically, we react to emotionally to things being taken away from us. Yes. So like emotionally, we're invested in the the rewards or the value of the $100,000 project. So as you're taking away scope, <laughs> yeah. you're like, ah, no, I want, I want that. I want that. You know? So I think that makes a lot of sense for yeah. sure. Yeah. You don't want to leave people going like, gosh, I have to pay more to get a little bit more. You want them going like, oh man, if I don't pay the hundred thousand, I lose this thing. And then if I'm down <laughs> in the, I, I only get this, right? Like that's how you want that impression because then they're much more likely to, frankly, it doesn't mean that you're going to sell necessarily the hundred thousand dollar project if that's mm -hmm. not the right fit for them. Sure. But it does mean that it allows their brain to make, I think, smarter decisions for them. So they're not, they're not just making a decision based on the money. They're making the decision on all that they get. So now we're into value. Yeah, I, I love it. It's so brilliant, Nikki. And so there's something that I also heard on your, your Sales Maven podcast and something that you and I've worked a, a lot in our coaching together is something that's called pre-framing. When you're actually sitting down and in front of a client and and discussing how you can work with them, how you can work together. And this is something I'd never heard of actually before you, and it made a huge difference in the way I do my sales. So can you talk to us a little bit about that structure? Yeah. And um, 
I think in, in two ways, because a lot of interior designers, before we even go to someone's house, we'll pre-screen them with a consultation phone call. And then we might, you know, we're, we've kind of pre-screened them there and then we go to the house. So maybe we start with pre-framing in the, in the original phone call. Would that be applicable? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so pre-framing, the purpose of it is to create safety. And that might seem like, well, of course people are safe. It's not like I'm, you know, going to show up and be an axe murderer at their house. But I don't mean that. I mean that you you want to create safety with your clients so that their brain is not in fight, flight, or freeze. And okay. and what I mean by that in a sales conversation is oftentimes people show up and they've got this fight, flight, or freeze. Fight shows up as they get a little confrontational. They they yeah. they try to like negate things that you're saying. The, um, so that's fight. And then flight is they, they just kind of, um, try to get out of the conversation as fast as possible. Like they want to get it over with and then freeze is they don't ask any questions because they're kind of like stuck. So we want to, we want to try to minimize any of that in the conversation. And the way to do it is to, is to pre-frame what's going to happen. Cause once our brains know what's going to happen, they can kind of settle in. It's like, it's like calming the waters. So at the start of that initial, call, you would say, so the purpose of our call today is just to talk really briefly for about 15 minutes. Does that still work in your schedule? Check and make sure. And then if they say yes, then you would say, now, um, to make this this 15 minutes meaningful and productive for you, is that okay if I start with a couple quick questions? So this is your way of really, in a kind way, asking permission to lead the conversation versus just letting the client lead the conversation. Because if that happens... One, it's not going to be 15 minutes. It's probably going to be an hour and a half or two hours, or they're going to ask you stuff that isn't even relevant to the conversation yet because they're going to like, oh, I think this is a pick your brain session. So Darla, tell me all about (laughs) like, what are you going to do for my social media? What am I doing wrong now? What do you think I should change? And it's like, no, this isn't a coaching call, right? Or for your interior designers, this isn't a giving advice on colors. Are you an interior designer looking to expand your reach and attract more clients? Well, we've got just the solution for you. Wingnut Social is the leading social media marketing agency designed exclusively for interior designers. Picture this, your stunning designs showcased to a vast online audience, generating buzz and capturing the attention of potential clients. With Wingnut Social, you can transform your social media presence into a powerful marketing tool. Wingnut Social understands the unique challenges faced by interior designers when it comes to social media marketing. That's why they've created a comprehensive strategy tailored specifically to your needs. With Wingnut Social, you'll have access to expertly crafted content strategies, custom tailored for the interior design industry. Say goodbye to those days of staring blankly at your screen, wondering what to post next. Wingnut Social takes care of that for you, ensuring your posts are engaging, relevant, and captivating. But it doesn't stop there. Wingnut Social also provides in-depth analytics, allowing you to track the performance of your social media campaigns. Discover which posts are resonating with your audience, identify new trends, and make data-driven decisions to maximize your marketing efforts. And the best part? Wingnut Social offers personalized coaching and support. Our team of social media experts will guide you every step of the way, sharing insider tips and tricks to elevate your brand and increase your online visibility. So why wait? Take your interior design business to new heights with Wingnut Social. Visit wingnutsocial.com today to learn more. Wingnut Social, where stunning designs meet social media success. 
I love this, and I think this is so helpful for us as an interior designers, because I know when I was doing interior design full-time, before I had any of this, these skills uh, from you, Nikki, that the potential clients or clients love to just monologue about their space and their ideas and their dreams for it. I'm telling you, it, it's the damnedest thing I've ever seen. It's just, And if you're out there listening, you're probably nodding your head going, yes, I know. <laughs> but they'll tell you their whole life story. So I like the idea of taking of leading it from the get-go because it respects your time and theirs. Yeah, yeah. Really, and, and it does let them feel safe and that you're in charge as the expert and a potential someone that they're going to work with. That That's brilliant. Yeah. And, and always remember that, especially as the interior designer, they want you to be the expert. Yes. They want you to lead the conversation, but you don't want to barrel through and just be like, so I'm going to ask you some questions because I need to know this, right? That comes off like, oh, this person's a little harsh. But if you do it in a kind way and ask permission to lead the conversation by starting with questions, it's very unlikely that somebody's going to say no to that. And then you had asked about when you show up on the, you know, for mm -hmm. the site visit, again, yeah. you want to pre-frame what's going to happen there because it kind of calms the waters. And also it sets the expectation that this is not a, this is not a call where I'm actually giving mm -hmm. advice and we're not picking out, you know, colors and we're not picking out furniture and we're not, you know, redesigning space in the moment. So you want to pre-frame at the start of that too. So the purpose mm -hmm. of this meeting is to do X, Y, and Z. It's going to take about this amount of time. Does that still work for you? Yes. Great. You're going to have some time to ask, ask questions at the end. And we'll decide today about next steps for working together. Now, is right. it okay if I start with a couple quick questions? So I just essentially in a really nice way said to them, you're going to be making decisions today. Now, there are some designers, in fact, a lot of designers who will do a paid consultation that does provide some actionable advice to the client, uh, but you can still work that in. Yes. That pre-framing and say, this is what it's like. Here's a couple of questions. This is what to expect on this visit. And at the end, if they're a potential full service client, then you can still go into um, leading into the, the sales process once you've given the, the value and the takeaway. For a sure. lot of interior designers do that. They're like, you know, I do charge for a consultation. It's $500 or whatever, but you will get actionable ideas and design tips that you can t use yourself, give to another designer, whatever. So I, I love that with the pre-framing. It gives you some direction because again, in consultations, that can just be a whole show. <laughs> just go, they're walking you through and there's no, you know, there, no directions if you don't take control and take charge of that. Yeah, you always want to lead the conversation as much as possible without the client feeling like you're like, we don't want to drag them, but we're guiding. Mm -hmm. And you need to be the guide. And the way to do that is to start with a preframe because it sets the stage. And I will say that anytime I start to work with a client and they tell me they're not having the success on their their sales calls that they want, they're not, they're not, you know, getting repeat business, all the, all these things I usually will say, are you preframing your calls? And the answer mm -hmm. is, what do you mean? Preframe? <laughs> that, that was my answer. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like preframing. I, mean, I thought I heard like, you know, that, that so we'd just gone to the moon or something. I was like, what the <laughs> hell? 
<laughs> this is something new. So what, what questions should we be asking there during the discovery process that we're, that designers are not asking? I know you had talked about the budget, mm-hmm. but, which is a big one. And that is like pulling teeth. Even if we give a range, I had a, a hard time getting clients to, to nail down to some place they thought they'd want to be. But what is what are some other questions that we need to be asking? So I love to help clients formulate questions that plant seeds. So I think one of the things oftentimes is we feel like when we show up on these calls, these consultation calls, we have to kind of prove what experts we are. We have to prove ourselves. And that can put you kind of on your back foot where you're, you start to sound like you're trying to convince these people Mm -hmm. that you know what you're talking about. On the defensive. Yeah. And so anytime you feel like you're in convince mode, you're not selling. And as a matter of fact, you're probably hurting the conversation more than helping. And so the way for you to demonstrate expertise a lot of times is the way that you would ask a question. So instead of saying to somebody like one of the things that I'm particularly an expert at is reorganizing your space for more efic- efficiency. I'm not an mm. interior designer, so you have to help me if this is like a crazy <laughs> hey, that's thing. big right now. Organization's huge. Yeah. So or, okay. So yeah. instead of being like that, you could say, "Now, have you thought about the uh, how important the efficiency of the organization of the space is going to be? Like on a scale of one to ten, how important is that to you?" So because I asked the question, it implies that I have expertise around it. And so mm-hmm. you want to think about asking those questions that really allow for you to start to plant seeds that you shine in a certain area, not in a condescending way, not in a way that makes people go like, what? But in a way that makes them go, oh, and I know you and I've talked about this before, like some of the things I'm known for is how do you create curiosity? Like I teach how to create curiosity, but I don't ask people, I don't ever tell people like, I'm so great at teaching people how to create curiosity. I ask in a consult call, you know, how efficient are you at creating curiosity when you're talking about your business or your services? And that plants that seed that people go, Oh, I don't know. Or how, how likely are you to pull story in when you're, when you're talking to an ideal client? Because it plants the seed. So it's not me saying, I teach storytelling. I teach create, you know, creating curiosity. So what are those things that are unique to you and put them in a question? Yeah, I, I love that. Um, one of my strengths as an interior designer was home automation and home theater. Mm. So I could see, I didn't do this because at the time I didn't know, but I could see asking questions, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how was important, how important is it to you that all your components are, you know, hidden or, or something like that? So I could get to the solution. And obviously they're like, oh, she's an expert. And That's plant right. Those seeds and lead that. Right. Getting back to, trying to convince and being on the defensive Mm. and coming from an angle of, um, you know, left foot, you know, off on the wrong foot. You and I discussed something called playing cat (laughs) in the sales process. And it's kind of counterintuitive when you think about sales, but it can be a nice little tool to put in your back pocket with some clients. Can you talk to us a little bit about what that is? Yeah. So playing cat in a sales conversation is when people are, you know, kind of wanting you to chase them. I don't, I don't believe in chasing clients. So in that moment, I start to play cat a little bit. I'll pull back in a conversation where people are like being really um, like, let's say they're avoiding the questions or they're, they're, 
they're acting as if they're, they got to keep their information really secret. You know, it's like, I don't know if you've ever had those conversations with people where it's like, I can't tell you anything because somehow that means you've got to, you know, so in those moments, I will pull back in a little, a little bit. I'll say things like, well, you know, maybe I'm not the right, maybe I'm not the right fit for you. And, uh, and that's totally okay. So that's me pulling back going like, I'm not going to chase you. I'm not going to beg you to answer my questions, but I don't have to be confrontational about it. I just go like, Oh, maybe I'm not the right person for you. And that that's totally okay. You know, if, if this isn't a good time, if this isn't, if you're not feeling like we're a good fit, we can, we can just end the conversation. That's okay. And a lot of times people go like, wait, 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 what do you mean? What do you mean? I remember years ago getting on a call with um, a prospective client where they were like, look, these are the things that we're looking for in a sales coach. We want this. We want this. We want this. We want that. You know, and they had this and they weren't even letting me ask any questions. Like I pre-framed, they were just kind of rolling right over me. And I said, well, you know, I just get a sense I'm not the right coach for you just based on the way that you started this conversation. So I'm just going to respectfully decline us moving forward. And they were like, wait, what? What do you mean? <laughs> and I was like, well, this isn't how I work with clients. So right. I just get a sense I'm not the right fit. So I just, I wish you guys well. And they were like, no, no, no. <laughs> well, tell us how you work with clients. And they ended up hiring me and they were a great client, but I had to play a little cat because I yeah. was like, oh no, mm-hmm. you don't, you don't get to lead the conversation. And I'm not going to do it in a like, Hey, I'm leading the conversation. I just bow out. And they go, wait, 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 Nikki, don't leave yet. So how do you know when a, when a potential client is a good candidate for CAT? Is it just intuition, experience? Are they giving you, is it just straight up verbal, hey, this, and you, and you get that like bristly kind of, ah, you know, this isn't how I work. Let me, let me, how do you know? So for me, a lot of times it's, it's, um, if I ask a question and they, they, they act a little coy or they act a little like, well, I'm not really sure I should say that to you, Nikki, because then you're going to use that in some way. Like already that's a sign for me of like, oh, how coachable mm-hmm. would this client be? Right. Like right off the bat, like, I don't <laughs> yeah. think this person is going to be coachable if they want me to like or or sometimes, you know, some people will start with the conversation of like. Um, prove yourself to us in some way or prove yourself, oh my God, yes. prove to us that you really are, that you know what you're talking about, that you're a great sales coach. And, and a lot of times in those moments, I will always pull back and play cat because, you know, I'm, I'm not here to do a dog and pony and I'm not like, you don't get to pull my string and I'm going to dance for you. I'm not a monkey and that's not going to work. And so I will always pull back in those moments and check to see And if they really want me to dance for them, we're going to end the conversation. That just isn't how I work with clients. So I think it's like trusting your instincts in those moments. For sure. And uh, guys, if you want to see Nikki's sweet dance moves, just tune into our YouTube channel designed by Wingnut Social. (laughs) Oh, bonus, bonus dancing. (laughs) All right, Nikki, before we get into the fire round, the what up Wingnut round, I, I do have another question for you and anything that you think that we need to touch on that the listeners need to hear before we do that. So let's say you're on a sales call, you've done the pre-framing, everything seems like the clients are going to sign, but you feel uh, you're getting some red flags or you feel like this client isn't an ideal client or they have unreasonable expectations or for whatever reason you think they're going to be a pain in the ass. 
it's not worth it, even though they want to pay your prices. And this is always really touchy. How do we decline? You know what I'm saying? This is really touchy and controversial, working yeah. with somebody who is ready to pay us the money, but we're like, ah, I don't really want to work with this person. I don't think they're a good fit. Yeah, I think the thing that is really important here is that you don't get into a lot of story and a lot of conversation and you don't leave the door open for them to try to convince you to change your mind. So you want to have a pretty um, direct statement, but you can do it in a nice soft way. So for instance, I would say to somebody, you know, based on the, the conversations that we've had, I just get a sense that I am not the right designer for you. So I'm going to respectfully decline us continuing the conversation. Please know that I wish you well. And I, I know you'll find the right person for you. And yeah, let's just bring this conversation to a close. <laughs> what if they say, why? Yeah. Yeah. You, so you can decide here how much you want to say. You could say, this might be a little harsh. <laughs> I think sometimes, we'll see how Darla laughs. Sometimes yeah, Darla. she's like, Nikki, can you say it nicer? That's but true. sometimes I would say, you know, I just don't feel like uh, giving any reasons behind it are necessary. <laughs> But thank you for asking. Because you're a total douche. <laughs> Lesson release. <laughs> <laughs> because if you start to get into like, well, you said this, or I got a sense from that. And as soon as you start getting into story, yeah. it, it basically says that you're willing to negotiate. And if you're willing to negotiate they're, they're now, you've, you've essentially set them up to say like, change my mind, prove me wrong. <laughs> right. But that's not what you want here. So if you really want to bring it to a, to a close, you just say like, thank you for asking. I don't feel like there's any reason to go into more detail around it other than it's just not the right fit. Okay. Stand in your space, as Sandra Funk would say, yeah, own it like, and uh, move on and press, bless and release. Which bless is what and you release. Like to say. It's yeah. okay to let them go. It's totally fine. <laughs> if you do feel like you want to give one or two things around it, it could say, you know, I, I noticed that when I have offered suggestions that um, they haven't really landed with you in the way that I had hoped. And that gets me, that gets me thinking that, what I would deliver to you wouldn't meet your expectations. Oh, I love that. Oh, good. See, that's, that's, can we say it nicer? <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know me. I'm such, a, I'm always like that. Nikki, that sounds harsh. Can we say it nicer? I'm just terrible. Like that, you know, you, you are soft and mushy. I love you. Your heart just shines through. And yes, on our boxers, you're like, Nikki, can you, can you say it nicer? <laughs> <laughs> You're so sweet. You're so sweet. Is there anything that we've forgotten to touch on on this topic within our, our time frame here before we get into the fire round, Nikki? Well, we've probably talked about this in the other episodes, but here's the mm -hmm. thing that I want to make sure that you do is that okay. you never leave your existing meeting with that client without your next meeting scheduled or that uh -huh. next step scheduled. Because trying to get them back onto a call with you or respond to your emails, any of those things will slow down the process. So make sure you always have your next step scheduled before you end that current conversation. I have to I have confession to make and I have been trying to do that more, but I am not doing a great job at it. So it takes practice. We'll to, yeah, we'll have to talk about that in our next session. Okay. All right. Nikki Roush. Now I have to ask you, are you ready for the What Up Wingnut round? I'm ready, I think. What would the hashtag on your tombstone be? Kind Incredible. Oh, you're stuck on a deserted island, but you can have your one favorite food forever. What is it? Oh, gosh. I probably have to go to pizza. 
that's a really good like covers a lot of bases. Yeah, I love it. that's that's smart, tactically sound. Yeah, I, like I have it. a new trick for my pizza too. By the way, it's oh, called oh. Mike's Hot Honey. If you like pepperoni, put a little bit of this Mike's Hot Honey on the top of your pizza. So good. On the whole pizza or just the pepperoni? I just put it around the top. I make like little swirls around my pizza, like little circles with it. Oh, it's so good. Mike's Hot Honey. That sounds good. It's good. You know what I really like on pizza? And maybe I'm crazy, but artichoke. Yeah, I love. It's so good. Who would have thought? Yeah. I love artichoke. Okay. I do too. Last but not least, please recommend a book that's impacted you either personally or professionally. I feel like because I've been on the podcast before, I wish I'd gone back to see what my... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't know either, but it's been a while, so it can are... be a repeat. That's fine. Okay. Well, I'm going to give, uh, and I actually know the author of this, and I think what she does is amazing. And it's my friend, Melina Palmer. Her book is called What Your Customers Want But Can't Tell You, or What Your Customers Want and Won't Tell You. And it's all based on behavioral economics. And it's fantastic. I love the psychology behind uh, behavioral economics. So, and she's brilliant. And she she has a couple books out. And actually, I think I'm getting to read her third book <laughs> next week before, that was Melina before it goes Palmer? to the, uh, yeah, Melina Palmer. What your, what your customers, what your want customers and, want and won't tell you or what your customers want and can't tell you, I think is what it's So one of those. So yeah. I think if we start the Google process, you'll find we'll, it. Melina Palmer, what it. Your, just type in what your customers want. And you'll find her. All righty then. I wanted to say too, Nikki, that, you know, I, I did say that you're working with me as a sales coach, but you're an incredible just business coach in general. Like really, really good guys. If you guys are out there struggling with your sales process, confidence or any of that, um, you cannot go wrong by by signing up with Nikki here. If you're a good fit, if she doesn't bless and release you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for saying that, though. I, no, it's, I, it's I love you, and I'm so happy same. to get to work with you. Same, same, same. All right, Nikki Roush, please tell the audience where they can go to find out more about you and your awesome sauce services, and we'll call it a day. Okay. I have a little gift for the audience. I have a little Ooh. mini training on the five steps to have effective sales conversations. It's called Mastering the Sales Conversation. It will take you just a few minutes to get through, and it will probably change the way you are showing up in your sales calls. So you can get that by going to yoursalesmaven.com forward slash wingnut. All right. Awesome. Thank you for that. That's yoursalesmaven.com forward slash wingnut and mastering the sales conversation. That's right. Uh, That sounds incredibly invaluable and it's free. It's free. Free gift. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Nikki Roush. And if you guys aren't listening to the Sales Maven podcast, run, don't walk, go follow and subscribe. Nikki, amazing as usual. Thank you for being a three-peat. We appreciate you. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. So what did you think of this episode? Nikki Roush is incredible. I am working with her one-to-one, her VIP coaching, just to help me build confidence in my sales with my business, my sales process. And I, I would be lying if I said it. We didn't, we haven't spent like maybe half of it on the pre-framing part of the sales. That's been so helpful. So I do hope that you can see the value in setting that up and taking the lead and getting off on the right foot. And then she planted some seeds. There you go. How'd you like that, Nikki? About how to move forward with your sales process and making that more streamlined, more valuable, more respectful of your time and of your client's time and help you to get those ideal clients. 
And I highly recommend if you want a deep dive, one-on-one, one-on-one coaching to go check out Nikki at salesmaven.com. And don't forget her Mastering the Sales Conversation over at your salesmaven.com slash wingnut, right? So you can get that free download and that will be in the show notes also at wingnutsocial.com. Speaking of wingnutsocial.com, we are a digital marketing agency for the interior design space to the trade manufacturers, vendors, and the like. If you head on over there, you can see how to work with us. There are three ways to work with us. One is the Wingnut Social Academy. Our course, Instagram for Interior Designers, is crazy helpful if you're at the DIY level of your business. Second is Social Media Strategy, a marketing blueprint for all marketing for your interior design firm on social media channels. And third, of course, is done for you full service social media marketing. We just do it in strategy. We take it all off your hands and market on your strategically chosen social media platforms in order to target your ideal clients. All right. Wingnotesocial.com. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. We'll see you next week. And remember, until then, to get out there, get uncomfortable and be great. You've reached the end of this episode of Designed by Wingnut Social, but that's only the first step into accelerating your business the Wingnut way. Head over to wingnutsocial.com or call us at 786-206-4331 to see how we can help take your business from meh to amazing. We'll see you on the next episode of Designed by Wingnut Social, your digital marketing tightly fastened. What were you going to say? I interrupted you. I don't know. <laughs> like it's a mosquito hat. <laughs> that the best. Gatorade for zeros. Are you amazing at interior design, but you really suck at sales? Well, today's guest, Nikki Rausch, is going to help us get through that and, you know, sell. With 25 plus years of selling experience, entrepreneurs and small business owners, whoop, I guess say it again, the, my emphasis was on the wrong syllable. Speaking of wingnutsocial.com, make sure you head on over there if you need help with your digital marketing for your, for your social media firm. <laughs> Good boy, Mango.